welcome to the New Life Fellowship podcast. New Life Fellowship is a community of grace in Kitchener, Ontario, Canada. Our goal is to teach and share and experience the life of Jesus Christ together. You're about to listen to a message from one of our meetings. Please make sure to check out our website, newlifekw.ca. Without further ado, let's listen in. Morning, New Life. Everybody, my name is Pastor Robin. Those of us who are joining online, a good morning to you as well. And uh, this is a real treat to be able to share with you today. I've got enough room, eh? I can go side to side, all right here. All right, video guys, you can follow me. I think we'll be okay. Um, one of the greatest dangers uh, to the new life community right now. One of the greatest dangers to us as New Life Fellowship Church right now is the same danger that the writer of the book of Hebrews wanted to address to the Jewish Christians he was writing to. This danger can actually be summed up as a question. You might not think it's very dangerous. Don't worry, I'm not stopping you from listening to country music or drinking Pepsi or cheering for the auto centers. This is a legit, legit danger for us. It can be summed up like this in this question. What area of your life are you ignoring Jesus' leading? What area of your life are you now ignoring Jesus' leading? You can say it like this. What areas of your life are you not listening to Jesus? Or, here's the other side of it, and this is me, right? Because I'm going to address this question to you, I've got to ask the question to myself. This is the other side of it. And what areas have Jesus actually ta- told me something? Where I saw Jesus about something, I listened to him, but I didn't act on it. I said, Jesus, what you asked me to do, or what you're telling me to do, is actually too scary. So let's postpone it to Tomorrow. But unfortunately, tomorrow has enough trouble of its own, as you remember. And tomorrow's troubles justify me not doing what Jesus asked me to do. What areas of your life are you ignoring Jesus' leading? The writer of the book of Hebrews calls this in each and every one of our lives. Calls this lazy faith, dull faith, sluggish faith. Any of us can slip into it. You know why? Because the writer of the book of Hebrews wrote it to the beloved. He's addressing those who have faith, those who are in Christ. Yes, you are holy. Yes, you are saints. Yes, you're going to heaven one day. Yes, you are beloved. But you're missing out on the freedom and you're missing out on the life abundant that Jesus has called you to when we ignore his leading. See, this is what happened to the people that the, he's, the writer of Hebrews is addressing. Their faith got lazy, and it got lazy in the sense that they went back to old things that were more comfortable in their, um, in their lives, in their past. They went back to old behaviors. They went back to the law. They started behaving like Jews again. They went back to something that was comfortable and familiar because there was resistance 
to them living out the life of faith. There was resistance to them accepting and living out the message of righteousness that they have been made right by God. And so this resistance from the flesh, from the world, from demonic forces, pushed them into this scenario where they just, in particular areas, they decided, we're not going to listen to God about that. Because what he might be asking me to do is too scary to step into. And we have this all the time, right? We have the flesh inside of you, right? You have the flesh inside of you. This is, um, this is what Galatians talks about. Flesh is wrestling against your spirit. It's trying to make you do what you don't want to do. And then we have the world, right? You have social media, you have TV promoting to you self-preservation, self-promotion, and self-pleasure. And all of these things are accessible to you 24-7 on the internet, on your mobile devices. So the world has messages pushing you away from a life where you're following the Lord's leading, a life where you become your own God. And then we have demonic forces too. We have bad angels, demonic forces that are rebelling against the move of God. So you're at work and everything's going well and everybody likes you and all of a sudden things just change. At school, things change. All of a sudden... The people who you thought you could trust have all of a sudden turned on you. And you're like, what, what is happening? And you feel this oppression as you're trying to live out the life that God's called you to live. You're saying, Robin, we're believers. Don't condemn us. <laughs> right? Robin, we're new covenant believers. Don't tell us this. But again, it's the same message. The writer of the book of Hebrews was addressing Christians who were under immense pressure. And under immense pressure, it's hard to hold on to hope. And hope, hope itself is the antidote to lazy faith. Because when you let go of hope, when you let go of the promises of God, thank you, Lisa and Barry, for that worship set, it was perfect. When you let go of the promises of God, when you stop looking to his faithfulness under pressure, you're going to go back to the old stuff. You're going to start listening to boys to men again. <laughs> you know, that's, that's Spice Girls tape. That was nice back in the day. Made me feel good. I'm having fun with that, but you can put into place other things that we do, other conveniences that we insert into our life to deal with the inconveniences that we deal with every day. And these conveniences are not life. So if they are not life, they are death but you've been called to abundant life. You've been called to the real thing, divine life. We're going to be talking today about this hope, and the writer of Hebrews has an answer to this. He says, yes, it's hope, but how do we hold on to hope to endure the pressures that we face every day? We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 6. So if you want to turn with me there right now, we're looking at Hebrews chapter 6, verses 11 to 20. This is Hebrews chapter 6. 
Here we're going to find out this. We're going to find out that holding on to hope is what's going to strengthen our faith because when we let go of hope, we're losing the grip on that. It's easy to slip. It's easy to look to other things to strengthen us. Let's pray before we jump in. Uh, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for um, the, the privilege of this community uh, to which uh, we have uh, where, you know, it, it's, it's just more than this opportunity to worship and to hear your word. It's actually an opportunity to interact with you in each other. And so I pray that this message would do that, that it would empower us and release us into the freedom to express this life of Christ that we have to each other um, as we meet. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. We're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11 to 15. And it says this, And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness, to have the full assurance of hope until the end so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, God swore by himself, saying, surely I will bless you and multiply you. Um, and thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. So again, we're talking about this group of people, the, the, the writer of he the book of Hebrews. And I'm going to say the writer of the book of Hebrews, okay? Because some people, it's debated. Some people think it's Paul, but we're still not really sure who it was. So I'm just going to say the writer of the book of Hebrews, okay? Um, now, he's addressing Jewish Christians. Jewish Christians right now likely in Rome. And these Jewish Christians are Christians, but by origin, they're, um, by origin, they're Jewish. So I'm, I have a Grenadian, I'm of Grenadian descent, I have Caribbean descent. So you could call me a Caribbean Christian, right? You could call me that if you want. And so this is kind of the idea. Now, these individuals are living in these segregated communities. And these Jewish Christians are under incredible persecution as Christians. But then they're also receiving persecution from their extended family. Because the Jews say, Jesus is not the Messiah. And so they feel rejected by their own people in their own camp. Not only that, but the persecution that's facing them is legit. It's like legit persecution. Like, like if you worship your Jesus publicly, we are going to throw you in jail or, you, or we might crucify you or whatever. Right? So these guys are under immense, immense pressure. And so the writer of he if the book of Hebrews is trying to tell them, listen, don't go back to old ways. Continue in the faith. Continue persevering because there is hope for you. Um, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. If you, if you go back there, you don't have to turn there right now, but it's talking very plainly about this group of people, these Jewish Christians, who have now as the writer is saying, they're going back to milk. They're going back uh, to pablum, right? They're, they're, they're forgetting steak dinners. They're done with the things of God that God has called them to, and they're going back to elementary things. And what are these elementary things? If you look at the top of the chapter, the elementary things are Jewish behaviors, like Jewish practices. 
And the writer is saying, no, don't go back to that. Stay focused on the meaty stuff, which is the word of righteousness, the message of righteousness, that you don't have to perform anymore on your own ability to please God. But you are accepted as a child of God, and to stick with that. And don't go back to inviting any portion of the law, anything that would give you some bit of relief under the pressure that you're under, that would take you away from seeking that life in God. Let me tell you guys something. I'm reading this, and I'm thinking about us. I'm thinking about us. You know why? Because we just came through, and we're not even through it. Two years and a half, three years of this COVID thing. I don't care what your stance on the whole COVID thing is, what position you were on or whatnot. I want to talk to you very plainly about the emotional stress, the social stress that COVID put so many of us under and what it did to us. Listen, we might not be persecuted like the church in China. And I'm not here to claim that we experience any kind of persecution. But what I'm saying is, is that that pressure that we were under did something. It was significant. And I think if we walk away from that saying, oh, fine, we're out of it now, we're fooling ourselves. We're still kind of under it in some ways. There's still divisions in our households over vaccinations. There's still pressures and and disagreements that are happening amongst us, even as believers, based on this subject matter. And what's done is it's put pressure on us socially, and it's made it difficult for us, at times, to come out of the conveniences that we accepted while we were in COVID. Listen, I'm introverted. God made me introverted. And under COVID, sometimes it was a great excuse to maybe not make an opportunity to make a connection with somebody. Let me be real with you. You know, Jesus calls me out of that every once in a while. And he says, I want to invite you to not stay in the convenience of the past, but to get out, to make connections with people, renew old connections, establish what you've had from before, and that's going to bless you. And sometimes I say yes to it, and sometimes I don't. And I know the other side of that, because the other side of that is, when I do step out and I follow Jesus and what he's called me to do, it may not have the result that I wanted, but I experience a satisfaction that I would never find otherwise. But then when I don't do that, and I stay in the convenient, comfortable place, there's a dissatisfaction that I know all too well. That I'm far too familiar with. Listen, guys. Let's not joke with ourselves. The pressure that we've been under was tough. It was tough. But here we are as the people of God. And the Christian faith is not a solo sport. That there have been opportunities for us to get out and maybe renew connections. And what happens when we do that? When we get out and we renew connections, we follow his leading. Now, I'm not telling you that you have to go out and make connections, right? Because that's just another law. And I'm not gonna give you another law. But what I'm telling you is that if the Holy Spirit inspires you, inspires you to reach out and connect with others, 
or someone is inspired by the Holy Spirit and reaches out and connects with you, don't shut it down. Receive it. Here, I'll tell you why. <laughs> because the writer of Hebrews actually has the answer. Because they're saying these people were becoming sluggish in their faith because they weren't be becoming imitators of those who through faith and patience inherited the promises. So they stopped looking at the past. They stopped looking at Abraham and what Abraham did and how he weighed and was patient and pursued God. They took their eyes off of the examples that they had of true faith, not lazy faith, but true faith, and were looking at their own perspective. They were looking at their own perspective, looking at their profiles, looking at their images on Instagram. They were looking at themselves. And so that was guiding how they lived their lives. It was guiding how they saw themselves other than who they really were, as Scripture says. I have a friend here. His name is John Buchan. You don't mind me doing this, John? I think it was um, in the summer. Uh, I think uh, somebody had... There was someone who opened up their home and said, like, come over and we're going to hang out. So I went to their place and then John was there. And I'm like, what's John doing here? I mean, I'm giving you a hard time. I'm like, this is cool, John's here, so let's chat. So I chatted with John. John shared with me his story. Um, how do I say this? John has a story that impressed me. And when he shared a story of, of his life with me, he shared failures, he shared hurts, he shared wins, but he shared a lot of losses. But you know what he shared with me, John, when we talked? I was so impressed with the love of God. I was so impressed with God's faithfulness because you know what your story showed me? Your story showed me that even at where you are right now, you still need the love of Jesus. That where you are right now in your life, you still need God to be a father to you. And guess what? I can feel like in my own ability, in my own time, in my own perspective that I'm my own God. But in that moment, I realized, no, I need his love just as much as I ever needed it. And you know why? Because his love is amazing. And it surpasses any achievement I could ever make and any failure I could ever commit. Amen. Now listen to this. John invited me into his life. We were just sitting down talking. He invited me into his life. It was like a car share. I'm going to call it a faith share. Okay? John's driving by. He opens the door. He lets me in, closes the door, and I drive off with him. And he says, this is where God showed up for me. This is where I failed, but this is where God showed up for me. And this is where I had pain, but this is where God showed up for me. And I was inspired to live the life of faith. Romans chapter 1, verse 12, Paul says this to the Roman church. He tells them, I got to turn to it. I can't, I can't say off the top of my head. What am I doing? Okay. <laughs> he says this, for I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. The great Paul needed to be encouraged by the faith of the believers he called to faith. Even Paul, listen guys, 
You want to hold on to hope? You find yourself going back to the old ways, the old conveniences? You find pornography really easy to step back into? You find, thinking of, you find pursuing other women um, the, the, the easy way and you want to go back to that? You feel like going back to the old substances that gave you peace of mind. You feel like doing that, and you step out and you do it, and you feel the exact same dissatisfaction that you've always felt. You want out of that? Hold on to hope. How do you hold on to hope? Do a faith share. <laughs> Get out of your house. Pick up the phone. Someone reaches out to you, don't shut them down. Receive them. You need your faith strengthened. Even Paul, even Paul said this. I need to hear from you. You need to hear from me. We're going to be mutually encouraged. But I hear you saying to me, Even if someone shares a story of faith with me, Robin, I still have trouble trusting God because there were moments in my life and the moments often, that the places in your life where you often don't listen to Jesus are the places where you feel that he's let you down previously. Can I get an amen to that? You know the areas in your life where you don't want to listen to Jesus are usually the areas where he hasn't showed up yet. And so you've assumed responsibility for the results on your own ability. So I hear you saying, Robin, I have trouble trusting God. How can I be convinced? Please to our next point, which is if we hold on to hope, we can hold on to hope by letting God earn our trust. Let's keep reading, okay? Verses 16 to 18. We're still Hebrews 6. Verses 16 18. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes, an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. So that, now get this, two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong um, encouragement to now hold fast to the hope set before us. If you're having trouble holding on to hope, you feel you're dabbling in lazy, sluggish faith, if you feel like that's happening, let God earn your trust. This is what this passage is saying. This part of the passage is saying God is actually trying to convince the people of the people that the, uh, the writer of the book of Hebrews is writing to. And he's in, in, instructing them on this truth that they can trust God because God is trying to earn their trust. He's actually pursuing it. We know this because of this verse here that we read before. Right? And this was in verse 14. Surely I will bless you and multiply you. Now this is referring back to Genesis chapter 22. This is referring back to Abraham. Abraham is bringing his son 
He's bringing his son to be sacrificed. God stops him. He says, you don't need to sacrifice your son. And he gives him this promise. And let's read that together, okay? So it's Genesis chapter 22, verse 16. 16 and 17. And this is God said, by myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this. So here we see it. He has sworn by himself because there's no one other higher than God to swear by, right? This is, you could, this is a faithful promise because I have to swear by myself because there's no one else to, to, to swear by. So he gives this oath to the Lord because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son. We're going to come back to that. I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply you and your offspring as the stars and as the sand that is on the seashore. I'm going to read a little bit more. And your offspring shall possess the gates of his enemies, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Who are Abraham's offspring? Who said us? Yeah. We are. That's what Galatians chapter 3 talks about that the heir of the promise, that the blessing of the promise, that the fulfillment of the promise is, is very much us. We are the heirs of that promise. You can see it now at this, at this time, right? Now, the people in the book of Hebrews, they're, these Jewish Christians, they're under all kinds of pressure. So, so the writer's trying to get their attention. No, 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 look. God made an oath and he gave a promise. So by two unchangeable things, because God cannot lie, he gave his oath to keep his own promise that God's going to bless you. What does that mean, God's going to bless you? That means that God is for you. God is, God is on your side. Sound like a Bible verse? God is for you, Romans 8. And then he's going to multiply you. He has a plan for your life to do immense good for the whole world. He that has begun a good work in you will bring it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Listen, this is, this is something that's fulfilled in our lives and we can see this now. That God will bless you new life fellowship. God is for you, even though your circumstances are terrible. And even though you feel like there's much that God has given you to do, you have a family to manage. You have a job to, to manage. Maybe you have a business to manage. Maybe you have a church to serve. Oh. <laughs> why, why are you laughing? It's super easy. You guys are easy. And even in that, I'm an under-shepherd because this is Jesus' church, and he's building his church. Amen. Right? But you, you might have all those things, but guess what? He has a plan to multiply. God doesn't do sums. God multiplies. And he has a plan to do a good work in and through you that's going to bless others. Look at all the things we're worried about. We can trust this promise by two unchangeable things. His own promise and then his own oath. He's going to fulfill this. This is something that we can take hope in. Now, all this has been done by God so that he could do this. Look at the verse. Look at, look at uh, uh, verse 17. God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise. We are the heirs of the promise. 
God wants to convince you to trust him. God did this work in Abraham and did this, and all the things that were said about Abraham and Abraham's story were captured for all time so that you could be convinced to trust Jesus. He wants to earn your trust. You can hold on to hope by letting God earn your trust. But you gotta let him. But he's after you. I love playing hide and seek. I like playing hide-and-seek with uh, Mahalia and Naomi, my daughters. And I always like to win. <laughs> so that's a problem. And, and I, I've done this thing now where I, I'll go and I'll hide somewhere. And, if, and, and they're getting good now because there's only so many hiding spots. But they're getting good. And sometimes I'll go and hide somewhere. And, I'll, and like, they'll come and find me. And just as they're coming to find me, I'll like jump out and scare them. So they're like, okay, well, he might scare us. So it's like, I'm putting some more distance between them winning and me winning. Uh, but there, there are times when we're playing these games and I realize I'm going to win because they're not going to find me. And I just feel like, ah, I just want them to find me. You know why? Because they love to find me. And they're delighted with it. They're overjoyed in it. And I rejoice as a father in their joy. I love it. And it inspires me, and I, and I want to go back and do the game again. I still kind of want to win, right? But. <laughs> God's after you. He's after your heart. He's after your trust. He wants your trust. Great is his faithfulness. You can trust that. It's a song and maybe you heard it today, and you thought, yeah, that's for somebody else. No, it's for you. His faithfulness is great. What area of your life are you ignoring the leading of Jesus? Because he wants to lead you into life. And it might be scary to step out into it. And you might not want to do it because of fear of what tomorrow will bring. And maybe the results at first aren't great. But great is his faithfulness to you. He has a promise to bless you and to multiply your work. He's going to care for you. He's going to take care of you because he's a great father. That's what I learned from John's story in the faith share. But when we let God, we earn our trust. When we say, you know what? I don't feel like it today, but today I will take one step in your direction. I want to promise you right now that you will sense his delight. I want to promise you right now that you'll begin to experience the, his joy of his pursuit for you because he loves you dearly. And he wants to earn your trust by two unchangeable things. The world changes, circumstances change. You have family, they die. You have spouses, they leave. You have children who are following God, they stop following God. There's no COVID, all of a sudden there's COVID. Things change, but by two unchangeable things, God's oath and God's promise, he has declared that I will bless you and multiply. He is after your trust. And that story is there, the story of Abraham is there to convince you today to trust him. It's not enough for me to tell you it. You gotta do it yourself. You gotta risk it today. Let God earn your 
trust. You can hold on to hope by letting him do that. Land God in your trust will strengthen your faith because you'll see that his love and his character is trustworthy. And when you trust his love and character, you will not drift back into lazy faith. The old conveniences that allowed you to endure the inconveniences, but they were things that were apart from God that were draining you and causing you death and causing you great dissatisfaction. Leave them behind. And holding on to his trust will help you do that. But sure, you can have my trust, but I'm still afraid of the future, Robin. Still afraid of the future. Future's scary. Lots of unknowns. Inflation's going through the roof. Can't buy Lucky Charms anymore. Yeah? It's going through the roof. It's hard to get gas. Do you even just go and visit your family members who are sick? It's expensive. Things change. I'm afraid of the future. The writer of the book of Hebrews has this to say to you, that we can hold on to hope because we have access to God's grace. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19 to 20. Let's look at that together. Okay, verse, tw- verse 19. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. We don't even have enough time to talk about what the order of Melchizedek means, but it is, if you read the rest of this this book, it'll bless you. But anyway, this word anchor is so powerful. It's used over and over again in scripture as a demonstration of, of hope. Um, and and, and when, when we put our hope in Christ, when we hold on to hope like a ship that's out at sea and the sea is rough and it's battling the boat, the anchor is going to keep you in place and you won't get destroyed and you won't run adrift and you won't run up on a sandbar and be destroyed. And this is the picture that we have here. This hope, this steadfast hope that we have won't allow you to go back to things that were slowly killing you. And we know this primarily because of this person, Jesus. And here, the book of Hebrews, it says that this is what the hope is. It's a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. This is now talking about Old Jewish practice, talking about the tabernacle. In the tabernacle, this was a place of worship back in the day for the Jews. This is how they went to church. And they copied it as well in the temple. There was a veil to protect you from the presence of God because God is holy and wherever sin was, it could be evaporated by God's immense holiness. So there had to be a veil to protect people from God's holiness. And so the people of Israel, if they wanted to talk to God, if they wanted to have access to God, if they wanted to be known by God, somebody had to represent them. And this was a high priest. So the high priest would be cleaned. All of his garments would be cleaned. He would go through this purification scenario. And they would actually tie a rope to his ankle. They would tie a rope to his ankle because on the Day of Atonement, 
for everyone's sins so that they can be in relationship with God, he would go and do a sacrifice for everyone's sins. So he had to be perfectly clean. He had to be no sin, no imperfections. So they tied a rope to him, and he goes through the curtain into the secret place where God's presence was. This is where the Ark of the Covenant was. It was a symbol of God's presence. And they tie a rope because if he did anything wrong in there, if he thought a bad thought, like cheering for the Ottawa Senators or something, and he died, well, no one can go in there. So they have the rope to pull him out. Listen, guys, I'm, I'm talking about our, our Heavenly Father. I, I understand that he is known by you as being a loving God and a loving Father, but he is so, so holy that sin has nowhere to be in his presence. This is what they had to do. But here's what our hope is. Our hope is this person, Jesus, who has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever. So he can go into the presence of God. But here's the key term, that word forerunner. That word forerunner could be translated as precursor, preceding. Better in our terms, trailblazer. Somebody who made a way for humanity to be able to be in the presence of God and to have access to God. How did he do this? The great miracle, the co-crucifixion, that the part of you that was evil and couldn't, that you were born, you were born with a spirit that could not have access to God. It could not be connected to God. It had to die with Christ. Galatians 2.20, it had to die with him on the cross, it had to be crucified. And so then you needed a new spirit that had access to God because it was good and clean. So God raised, when God raised Jesus to life, he raised to life a new spirit in you that has access to God. And now you are a new creation. This is not about good works and bad works. This is about God's miraculous work. This is the gospel. And so he created a way. When we choose to believe in him, we get a new spirit. His spirit gets connected with it. And so, and then we become one with him. And we have access to God. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 says this. You know this verse really well. Let us approach the throne of grace to receive mercy and grace in our time of need. Same book of Hebrews this guy knows what he's talking about. You can have confidence. You don't have to worry about dying in the presence of God. You don't need a rope around your foot. You have access to God 24-7. The things that people were afraid of in the past has now been made accessible to you. So maybe you are afraid of the future. And actually, maybe you have listened to God and you've stepped into something that he's called you to do and actually things didn't really improve. And you're having trouble holding on to hope. You're having trouble holding on to his promises. You're starting to doubt whether or not he's going to be faithful. And so, so the old conveniences are looking pretty nice right now. But guess what, guys? We can hold on to hope because we have access to God's grace. We could go to the throne of grace, the place where you get it, okay? You can go to the throne of grace and receive 
mercy and grace, undeserved kindness and love, but also not what you deserved, which was death based on sin. But you've been brought into new life. Perfect, perfect name. You've been brought into new life where you can now go into his presence. I want to describe this in a way. Because there, there is a blessing, there's a blessing for us to understand in this, is that even though everything doesn't work out well, God does give you the endurance to endure a hard situation. He gives you life, he gives you, gives you grace, gives you joy, gives you peace, gives you the faithfulness that you need to endure something. He is more than happy to do this. You know, um, I was working uh, currently uh, with a company, it's a, it's a, it's a, pay, a payroll company um, in my other profession, and, and they offered you more money to speak with their call center, like to speak with somebody in their offices, but if you don't pay for the extra, um, you don't pay for the extra permissions, then you have to get outsourced and you get outsourced to another country, and you get on the phone with somebody else, you could be on hold for a long time, and this other company also is, is, is getting all this other stuff outsourced, so they don't know the, the stuff very well. So they're like, hey, guess what, guys? We'll have you pay more to have access to the help that you need. And honestly, I'm looking at that, and I'm just like, oh, come on, guys. That's a great ploy. That is awesome, you know? It's like, yes, of course, I want to talk to somebody in Canada who understands what I'm working on right now and knows it very well, and I can get that call through right away. Of course I want that. Of course, that's been paid for. Another thing, too, I want to give you this other example. My, my daughter's in a Catholic school, and so in the Catholic school, they were teaching her about the rosary. You guys know about that? I was actually taught the rosary uh, by my grandmother because my grandmother was a really devout Catholic. And the rosary, the way it works is that you have at least 10, it's like a, it's a necklace, and then there's a white bead, and there's blue beads. It could be different colors. But there's a white bead where you talk to God, and then there's blue beads where you talk to Mary. And then you get to the, white, the other white bead, and now you can talk to God again. And I don't understand all the principles about it. But this idea that there's distance between you and God was something when I saw that, I was like, mm, okay, honey, let's talk about the rosary for a second. Let's talk about that. Because Mary was, I believe, a, a saint as we are saints. She was a human being. Is she alive now? Yeah. Is she receiving prayers? No. Why? Because we have Jesus interceding for us at the right hand of the Father. And we are in Christ as he is at the right hand of the Father. That's what Ephesians says. Listen, listen to this, these stories of inaccessibility. All of it has been washed away. Any need that you have right now as you are struggling to live out your life of faith, listen, all the questions have been answered in a moment because the person of Jesus Christ was a forerunner. He was a trailblazer. You don't have to pay extra to listen to him. You don't have to count any beads to hear from him or to express what your pain and sorrow is. There's nothing that you have to do. He has done it all. It's a finished work. You have complete access to Jesus. And today is the day where you can stop in this moment. You can stop going back to old conveniences, but you can earn, not even earn, 
but you can allow the Father and his love to be received. You can receive it today. It may not change your scenario, but it's going to help you endure. And guess what? It's real life. The world promises you all kinds of conveniences, and it's, it's fun for the moment. It's okay for the moment, but that's just earthly stuff. You've been called to a higher thing, abundant life, divine life, life that comes from God. Matter of fact, he is the only source of life. Listen, today, you can hold on to hope. There are three reasons why you can hold on to hope. Three reasons how you can do it. You can hold on to hope by doing a face share, connecting, connecting with other people, like connecting with other believers, sharing, maybe sharing your faith journey. Maybe, someone's, maybe someone is, is reaching out to you to share with them, uh, for, uh, to, to, uh, to share their life story with you. Maybe you create eight opportunities for people to come together and to encourage each other in the faith. You could hold on to hope by letting God earn your trust. Let him catch you. Let him catch you. Stop running. Stop hiding. Take off your mask. Stop the performance. He knows everything. But he still loves you. Let him catch you. You can hold on to hope too because we have access to God. You can go to God any point in time and just say, God, this, if you don't mind me saying, this sucks. This situation I'm in right now, it sucks. But his reminder to us is this. Oh, I think I'm going to close on this. Uh, his reminder to us is this. Um, I believe it's also in Hebrews where he says, don't despise this discipline that you're under. Humble yourself under my right hand. Don't despise this training. Don't despise what you're going through right now. It's causing you all kinds of pain, but guess what? It's causing you to come to me too, and I am life. And whatever you're trying to seek to get away from the pain that you're under is actually kind of death. Not kind of death, it is death. Don't despise it. Humble yourself under my right hand. Come to me and let me care for you. Because you can come to the throne of grace to receive mercy and grace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, today is um, a day that you've given us to know you more. And that was always the goal. He just wanted us to know you. And that's why Jesus came, that we would know you. So I pray that in any way that we're hearing these words and we're saying, ah, maybe I'm not going to listen to you. I pray that you inspire our hearts. You'd invite us again. You would try to convince us right now in this moment. And I pray, Jesus, that there are any um, strongholds, um, arguments, imaginations against trusting in you that are in anyone's mind right now. In Jesus' name, I cast them down. And I pray that we will receive your love today. Praise right now in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the New Life Fellowship podcast. Thanks for joining us. For more great content, please be sure to check out our website, newlifekw.ca, and sign up for our mailing list. Subscribers will receive our The Life in the Apartment ebook that is sure to encourage and bless. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch the latest services and additional video content. 
New Life Fellowship is a registered charity that is supported by the giving of partners and friends. All donations will be received. If you would like to donate, donate at newlifekw.ca. Your giving is highly valued and appreciated. You are loved. Take care.